Welcome to the DBS Films Podcast, a behind-the-scenes look into making indie films. Learn from DBS Films about their process, tips, and fun stories that all come with making multiple movies a reality. Hey everybody, welcome to DBS Films Podcast. My name is Kellen, with me as always is my brother Brendan, and together we make movies with DBS Films. Today we're going into part two of what we are recommending for you to be a successful indie film production. Now, with that being said, you know, we kind of laid out in the first uh, episode really what your mindset is, uh, how the budget is going to be super important, how you want to keep your ideas simple, how it's going to be a lot of work. In this episode, we kind of wanted to break some things down to almost kind of give you guys a benefit. Again, we always say the best thing is the experience. And if you don't have the experience, it's almost kind of like walking through a little minefield. Hopefully we can help you identify some of the mines in this episode. But as always, be sure to go ahead and take a look at our Discord channel online. That is the place to be. We make movies for our fans, with our fans. So everyone in the Discord helps us in the filmmaking process. And they're actually in our movies. So we are looking at continuing to doing that we will always look at being a fan and community focused uh production company so if this is interesting to you i highly recommend taking a look at that online so brendan you know as we mentioned the first episode we kind of laid out a lot of the the downers of the industry but we did mention now is now the easiest time to actually make a movie so there's that dual edge to it. I wanted to kind of highlight going through the whole production process through marketing, through distribution of just kind of the major landfalls you should avoid um, in each of the areas. Again, there's a lot, but we're going to try and highlight them as best as possible. So let's kick it right off with writing. You know, I think it goes back to the keep the idea simple. But the biggest thing we stress with writing is write what you can actually film, I think is going to be the biggest lesson. What would you kind of say are the big pitfalls in writing that you see from first time indie filmmakers? Yeah, just just writing a concept that you don't have either the technical level to pull off, a skill level to pull off, or just having the actual budget um, in order to pull off the idea. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of ideas that I want to make. I think are really cool stories, but they're a million dollar, they're going to need a million dollar budget to pull off. And I just understand I don't have that. So I go back to, you know, more simple stuff and there's nothing wrong with starting simple. Honestly, if you're a first time filmmaker, try and find the simplest idea possible. Look, it's not going to be your Magnus Opus. It's not going to be your greatest movie ever, but you will learn from it and you'll be able to show people that you have the ability to complete and finish a movie and upload it. And I think that's, the biggest win for you as a first-time filmmaker is getting something up, being able to show people that you're able to start and finish a project. Um, and that honestly will probably put you ahead of 80% of filmmakers because there's just so many movies that never get made, that never get uploaded, that never get completed. If you can go and show that you can create a feature film and upload it, you're going to learn so much. And then you have the option, the, um, the option to actually, you know, distribute it, get it out there on different platforms and get feedback from fans and, you know, feedback from random people and just start to get your feet wet with the, the distribution process and how this whole process works out. If you can, you know, do that, you're in much better shape. So I think just a lot of filmmakers set themselves up um, with a really hard time to succeed just based on how difficult their script is going to be. If you're a first time filmmaker, I'd really try and find one location. So it's one house and you get two actors and then maybe a couple side characters that, you know, either your friends or family or someone that can just come in and give the movie just a little bit more dynamic range. But 
I really, if you, you have to have a really good reason to add more characters or add to another location to the script, there's a million ideas that you can do in one house and two locations or uh, one house and two actors. There's a million stories that could be told in that setting. Um, and I try and find one and try and get as creative as possible. I think you're going to set yourself up for a much better time in just writing the script and working with actors, being able to shoot the script. And then when it comes down to editing, it'll be a much easier movie to edit. Yeah, it really is that. And I think the, the most ironic part of it when it comes to the writing process is this is the easiest process to switch. It is just literally words in your head. And the times that people stick to this versus when they have to make the compromise. So I think the you know last thing I really want to touch on is this is the place where you make the adjustments as much as you can. You know, we always see the script as a flexible document that will change based on how we can execute it. And it's a compromise. And if you're not compromising already from the script, you're kind of in a rude awakening. Because I think the biggest pitfall is that thing that you think you can film, you can't. That beat that you think is good, it isn't. So I think the second thing I kind of want to touch on is the movie is not going to be as clear as it is in your head as it is on the script to the audience the things that you think are going to be good are not going to be as good as you think they are in the audience. And the thing that you think you can film for whatever's going to happen, you're not going to be able to. So be ready for that. I mean, you know, if you look at Ghana, our first movie, we had whole beats and scares that we thought were scares that were just nothing, you know, they just did not come across. So do you want to kind of touch on how even in your head with that idea of the script and whatnot and everything that you have, it's still going to be a con like you're not going to be able to execute anywhere near as much as you think you will be on that script. It's going to be way more clear in your head and you have to be ready for compromise and you have to start compromise from the original idea to the script. Yeah. And I think a lot of filmmakers, like my big advice is if you're writing a script and you're about to shoot it and you want to shoot this feature, find your most aggressive scenes or the scenes that just require a lot of stuff and try and film them as a short um, I think that you'll quickly realize whether or not you can pull off these scenes um, and whether or not they're good. If you could pull off and make a scene good with just friends and family or someone that you can just, you know, pay for one day of uh, production, then obviously it'll work in a feature film with professional actors and, you know, you can give it better time and, you know, more energy as far as, you know, camera and gear go. I think that's the biggest thing and I still do it now when we film movies, I'll go out with Kel and we'll test footage out or I'll work with another actor to test footage out because I'm trying to find out, you know, how quickly, you know, I can come to terms with, can I actually do this? Is this actually possible or do I have to scrap this scene? And I think a lot of filmmakers kind of push that off, you know, to the back of their head and they're like, oh, we'll figure it out when we're on set and never figure out things on set. It will never work out good. It'll always be terrible. And I think a really good movie, I said this before, a really good movie is just avoiding pitfalls. If you can make it through all, you know, 120 minutes of, um, not 120 minutes, but an hour and 20 minutes without falling into pitfalls or making bad scenes or scenes that fall flat, you're going to have a really, really good movie. If you can do that without, you know, falling into these traps, people are really going to like your movie and it's going to do very, very well. And I think a lot of film, any filmmakers, the problem is, is that they don't know this and they set themselves up for failure by 
essentially just hitting a lot of these traps, especially with their intro scene right off the bat. It's boring. It's dull. It's too long. It doesn't explain what's going on. It's confusing and people turn off their movie. So I think, you know, understanding what you can shoot um, both on a technical and budget level is super important, but it's like, if you're doubting yourself, if you don't know, um, you know, whether you could pull it off, try do a lot of pre-production stuff because pre-production is going to actually show you how to get these things done. And if you can't do them in pre-production, if you can't do them with a bunch of friends, then obviously you don't have the skill level or the budget to pull it off. Just scrap the scene and then take that as a win. Look, you avoided a pitfall and just find another scene or another way to do move your story forward. Um, and you're just going to have a much better movie. I think a lot of filmmakers need to spend more time in pre-production and really try and, you know, shoot some of these uh, scenes, even if it's, which is an iPhone and some friends, and you're going to save yourself a lot of time and money and your movies are just going to be that much better. Yeah. And we've said it a lot specifically for the last few movies that we've made that it is critical that, you know, you work on the pre-production side of things. So hopping into that, going into pre-production, you, know, you kind of mentioned, take a look at your biggest scenes, see at filming them. But do you just want to talk about how pre-production in the sense of the more hours you put into your pre-production, the more you're going to save it on production? Because I think the biggest thing that people are going to overestimate going into production is how quickly they can film. And the biggest way to give yourself a buffer is to do as much as you can in pre-production. Yeah, I think... Uh... Pre-productions just make everything easier because I think the biggest thing that, you know, I struggled with in the beginning is just, all right, how do I take the vision that's in my head and communicate it to the actors, the DP and everyone on set so that we can get a, so we can get as close to what's in my head as possible in the most time efficient way possible. And I think a lot of people just don't have a very good way of communicating this. And so there's going to be questions, it's going to come out wrong the actors are going to get frustrated. The directors are going to get frustrated. The DP is going to get frustrated. And this just all leads to slowdowns. So I think that you need to be doing pre-production. If you can actually get the actors out there and just film with an iPhone or a small camera so that they, you know, you can work out all the kinks, you know, before you're actually on set. And what I do now is I go through the script three or four times with the actors, either in person or zoom so if there are tr questions with the lines, if there are trouble lines, if they're, you know, the character's motivations are off, we can fix them in pre-production. We're not on set having arguments. And I think a lot of, you know, filmmakers, especially directors, they want to be out, like Alfred Hitchcock or they want to, you know, be Christopher Nolan or David Fincher and do a million takes and really get every little tick and, um, cadence and rhythm of the actors voices and really get the performance that's in their head and you know every director wants to do that that's that's what your job is the problem is it takes so much time to do that there's a reason that hollywood only films one page a day you don't have that luxury so you need to come in and iron all that stuff out in pre-production so when you do come on set it's a smooth process everybody understands what they're trying to accomplish how they're going to do it and you can just go because time is going to be your most valuable asset on set. And if you run out of time, then there's really nothing you can do. And you want to try and avoid that uh, issue as much as possible. And the way to do that is to spend a lot of time in pre-production. Yep, that's, that's really the way to focus at it. And again, I think the biggest thing that you mentioned is kind of making the vision clear um, to as many people as possible. 
And again, this is something that we see just with uh, our first thing, you know, keeping the set small, keeping that to, you know, um, together and managing this many people. So, you know, I, I think you really want to look at it, keeping it critical. Again, we usually have just the actors. One of the actors fills in as a PA. I'm doing the onset editing. So I, I'm, you know, looking at being the editor as well. But I think, you know, you should look at wearing multiple hats for this production, for the pre-production, and then really just make sure that you instill that vision of what each one of these things look like in the sense of at least what you're trying to get. You know, when we go into the pre-production process, you also do want to get some buy-in when it comes to just the uh, team that you have, the actors and the roles and those things. You also want to make sure that you don't, you know, you, they understand that, hey, this is the line. This is, you know, kind of where I want you to color in when it comes to a concept. So, I think with pre-production and with writing, you give yourself the most time because, you know, the next thing we're going to hop into is the production element of it. And I think the biggest thing people underestimate with the production thing, you, if it's your first time as an indie filmmaker, you're going to schedule way too many scenes for what you're actually going to accomplish. And you're going to run out of time. I, I think unless you've been through a scene and you really understand what it's like to be on set, um, time is incredibly valuable. So, you know, hopping into the production side of things, um, you know, would you just say that you're going to be fighting for every second? So do everything you can in writing, make it easy to film, do everything you can in pre-production to set yourself up to film because production of all of the processes is the one that has the ticking clock. And I don't think we're ever going to stop filming. We're always going to film until our very last second on set. Yeah. And I think that this is the one that kind of messes up a lot too. It's just, you know, biting off more than you can chew um, and just not understanding how to schedule things properly. Um, it's very easy to make an Excel sheet and be like, oh, these are really easy scenes. We can do all these this day and we can do all these the next day and just kind of moving things around. If you don't know how to actually do that or how much time a scene takes, depending on the technical levels of the shot and the, how much dialogue you have in there and what kind of shots you want to have, if you don't have experience doing that, it's going to be very hard for you to schedule, um, you know, schedule out a proper schedule and stick to it. You know, we got very lucky in our beginning um, because, you know, obviously we didn't have the, the knowledge, but we just, we got very lucky and a lot of our stuff was, you know, 24 hour shoots at the end wherein we're doing a lot of run and gun stuff. And then we got to the point where we were just cutting a lot of scenes out of these movies and you never want to cut scenes out of movies. It's never a good thing because um, it messes with the pacing. You're going to have to do pickups. It's just not a good thing to do. So you know, the best advice I could do is like, just give yourself more time. If you need just one extra day, one extra day is going to be much, much more valuable to you than um, pretty much any other piece of big equipment or anything other than that. Give yourself an extra day if you can. Um, but once again, it just comes back to, you know, having experience, you know, and especially if you if you work in all these aspects of the filming process from writing to, you know, shooting to editing, you know, I'm putting myself in a place to succeed. I'm writing very simple scenes so that when we're on production, I know how to shoot them and they're very easy to shoot. And it could be just having two characters in a scene or having a character in another location that you could pick up or shoot later. There's a lot of ways to be very creative to get it done properly. Um, but it's things that you need to be thinking about. And as far as like doing pre-production and, you know, communicating your vision, the way I look at it now is that, all right, if, something happens to me and I'm not able to direct this movie, could the movie get made? And that's what you should be looking at. The movie should be able to, you should be able to go on set 
and the actors should be able to almost self-direct themselves to complete the movie. And if you have that, if you're like, all right, look, my actors can do this. My crew can get this movie done without me. Then you've done enough pre-production. And if you can't do that, or you can't say that, or, you know, people are going to have, um, you know, questions regarding the script or the character, well, then you didn't do enough pre-production. When I am on set and I'm directing, I'm just looking for things that are really away from the actual vision. And for the most part, that never really comes up. Um, I think that if you can get to the point where the actors can self-direct themselves and the movie can get made without you as the director, then you've done your job in pre-production. And I think if that's the case, you're going to have a much smoother shoot. You're going to have a much easier time directing and you're going to have a better product because when everyone's on the same team, the same page, and, um, you know, they understand what they're trying to do, the questions on set and the time is going to be just much, much more efficient. Yeah. You got to just maximize how much you can when it comes to just any time that you have. So that's going to be super critical. You know, as we mentioned, um, Again, there's so many things that we can dive into when it comes to um, the production process. Again, we want to highlight that the time is critical. We are going to have individual episodes kind of diving into detail in each one of these subjects. But I think one thing that I've noticed, you know, over our span of time here, um, really having like food for the actors is a super critical one. And, um, you know, just making sure that you keep that tempo moving, you're in charge of the momentum. Um, so, you know, for pitfalls, I see people scheduling like one big meal when what I recommend is just ask each of the actors, what are your favorite foods? Have it there. Let them know, hey, you're in charge of like, there's a reason there's a food table. There's a crafts table. So you can grab food at different times. I see a lot of times indie filmmakers are almost like I'll break for lunch and I'll do this. Having um, that in set slows down production. And then also, you know, someone might get hungry before then. So I would say real quick, do you want to kind of touch on that or other big important ones that you see? And then also how momentum is critical on set. Yeah, for the first one, I think food, I mean, hungry and tired actors are going to be your biggest pitfalls. Um, You know, when they're hungry, they're going to get cranky and they're going to get grouchy and tempers are going to get short. So always make sure that they have food at all times, snack food, large meals. And then I think, you know, what Kel said is if you can go the extra mile and just really give them stuff, comfort food that, you know, they like, I think just keeps morale very high. Um, As far as like tired actors, you really want to make sure you're forcing them to get eight hours of sleep. Sets are fun. There's a lot of adrenaline. It's a, you know, a great atmosphere and everyone kind of wants to stay awake and watch the whole process play out. Do not let them do this. If you know, they're not, if the actor is not in the scene, tell them just go lay in their bed um, or just, you know, go try and rest and really try and get your rest. Cause the first two days are fine. It's day three, four, five, six, and seven that you can get really tired. And the problem with tired actors is once again, they're going to start to complain. Tempers are going to get short, but they start to just kind of phone in their, their performance. They're just tired. They just, they want to get it over with their bodies getting tired. So they're just like, all right, look, let me just say these lines and then this movie will be done with. And, you know, I can go and get, you know, eight hours, 10 hours of sleep or just relax. So their performance will suffer. So it's your job to just make sure that, you know, they're not tired, that they're well-fed. And then really like it goes back to my job as a director, it's just pretty much keeping momentum is really 
the biggest job as a director. It's not, you know, fixing small little things. It's obviously like you want to keep the integrity of your story and you're trying to communicate the vision of your story. But once again, this should have been done in pre-production. When it's actual production, I'm just looking for things that are just completely different than, you know, what I'm looking for. So I can, you know, have the, the actors color in the lines and just make it clear, you know, what they're doing. We could try and work with different things, but my goal as a director is to get the two actors comfortable and relaxed and giving a good performance. And once I have them there, I want to try and keep them going for as long as I possibly can. So I'm just going to start going and we're going to shoot as much as we possibly can for as long as we possibly can when they have that energy and that momentum. And then once they start to get tired or, you know, once the performance starts to, you know, drain a little bit, then that's when I wrap for the day. And I think that you want to keep the production moving fast. You want to make sure your lighting's fast. Everything needs to be really, really fast. Um, because anytime you have to break down something, move locations, change out equipment, you lose that momentum. And then the actors start to get tired. They start to get hungry. And once you start to lose that momentum, it's very, very difficult to get it back. So you really want to make sure that once you get going, you're the one just pushing this to keep going for as long as possible with the momentum that you have. Um, because that's really how you have a successful day. That's how you get through a lot of stuff. The days where it's, it's a grind and you're going through one or two scenes and then you have a massive breakdown and one or two scenes and then a massive breakdown. Um, those are the ones where the actors start to get tired. They start to get cranky. The performance drops and it's just very hard to start, start the momentum again, get it back up to that level, then break it down and then rinse and repeat. It's just a very draining process. So I think when you're on set, you know, your goal as a director is to just get them going and just run them for as long as they possibly can before they start to get tired. Yeah, it really is maintaining that momentum, keeping things moving, because again, time is not on your side on set. And this is your one shot to get the films, because the biggest thing you want to try and avoid is pickups. Um, I think a lot of times people will kind of lean back on that. And if you can get the whole principle done, then it really kind of helps you out because, you know, this will be a good way to transition into post-production. But real quickly, you know, let's talk about the pitfall. OK, you didn't get everything that you needed and you want to do a pickup you can basically expect that this is going to be almost twice as long and hard just for those single scenes because it really dethrows your momentum and it requires a lot more on the budget. So I think we'll talk about two things real quick. You want to talk about how pickups are very critical in the sense of really screwing up your progression into the post-production in the sense of slowing you down. And then the second thing is how it's smart to actually plan a pickup like we did in the murder house. So actually let's answer that one first. You know, if you're kind of not sure that you can film all of these things at the same time, a good indie film hack is to have someone either in a different room or something like that, whether it's phone call conversations, whether it's, you know, for me, it was me inside of a van kind of running a live stream and being the comms person for the murder house. But do you want to talk about how it could be a strategic idea to have pickup locations? I mean, we've seen indie films that have, you know, stuck to a garage or something that they can use green screens to recreate um, different scenes, but that gives them the ability to have a flexible schedule versus if you have a principal production that's going to cost a location, that's just going to be a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, locations are expensive. Um, and every day that you have to rent those locations is, is very expensive. 
so yeah i mean i think breaking up movies with having another character in another location location that you have access to is very smart um and it'll save you you know a lot of headache especially if you know the actors or have access to the actors and you have access to the location as well it's just gonna you know the less you're gonna have to shoot on principle the better um you know that being said like it's just a way to, you know, once again, be creative. And I think we'll always have something like this in all our movies now, either one character just in another location or something we cut back to because it makes editing really easy. It makes, you know, it's easy on the budget. And I think you'll get like a nicer quality or higher quality because you're not going to have that time crunch of principal shooting. The van stuff that we shot in Murder House looks absolutely incredible because, you know, it's almost like shooting a short. We went out there for, you know, two days with a van and we knocked out like maybe 12 or 15 minutes. Um, but that just allows you to, you know, have really nice camera motion. I could set up the lights like I really wanted to, you know, uh, I could set up the lights how I wanted to set up the lights because I had time. Time wasn't an issue. If we didn't, um, you know, get the actual shots, I knew I could just go get the van the next day and just, you know, continue shooting. So once again, it's just creativity. It's like trying to find little things like that that'll just help you out. But that only comes with experience and it comes from, you know, knowing how to edit, the editor's mindset. I knew how this stuff was going to cut together. I knew what I needed. And so I would say these are considered strategic pickups. Yeah, it, it really is, you know, being able to allocate the time as best as you can and creating something like a strategic pickup really helps out in the sense of being able to just maximize what you're able to do on set. And again, that's going to be your maximum uh, responsibility. So going to that, you know, we have the post-production process. And real quickly, if you haven't caught our podcast before, we always say you want to have the editor's mind in focus and what we mean by the editor's mind is from the very start of the movie you want to be thinking like an editor and i think point blank if you're an indie filmmaker listening to this trying to get started for the first time you need to know how to edit you need to be able to put something on a timeline and put it together so before we go into detail on that do you want to just quickly discuss why that is the most important skill set to have yeah 100 percent um, I think out of all the things that you could possibly do, if you were to ask me, should I focus on being a writer? Should I focus on being a director? Should I focus on being a DP? Or should I focus on being an editor? And the indie level, 100% is editor all the time. I think that if you want to do any of the other ones that I mentioned, you should also be an editor because it's just, your stuff is going to be so much better. If you're a DP and you know how to edit, your shots are going to edit together so much better because you can kind of gauge in your head, you know, what shots you need. I don't really do a shot list because I already know what shots I need because I know how to edit them. I'm not giving to someone else. I'm going to do it. So I know how, you know, these things are going to cut together, how I want to edit it and how I want to shoot it for the writer as well. You want to be a, a you know, editor because you're going to write stuff that, you know, can edit together properly, whether that's putting in montages or putting in quick cut scenes, um, how you get in and out of scenes is such a crucial um, part of filmmaking that you really can only understand when you're an editor. And that could really improve the pace of your movie by entering a scene with a hard cut or a loud noise or leaving with a lingering moment or closing a scene out with like a laptop shutting, a door shutting, 
how you get in and out of these scenes in a clever and creative way really only comes from knowing how to do that by editing. And the same thing with directing, like a director needs to know at all times whether or not things are going to cut together. Blocking is such a critical aspect of just any kind of movie. And you're only going to really know how to properly block actors if you have experience editing movies. Um, so I think you don't need to be the full-time editor. I understand it's a tedious job and there's different parts of it, such as sound and color, but for the most part, you should be able to create a rough cut of your movie. Um, that's 100% needs to be done. And, you know, people think editing is difficult. I think it's just, once you understand it and you start to figure out how to cut things together, that's the skill that you need. And then it just kind of gets easier from there. And you start to just be able to really control your movie and I think if you're not the editor of your movie, you're going to have a really hard time making sure this movie goes through post smoothly. And I just don't think you're going to be as good as a filmmaker if you just don't understand how to edit a film. Yeah. And then the next thing, you know, that we really look at is when we explore that editing process, it is something that always makes you better. It gives you the, the full idea and you honestly set yourself up for an easier process because, you know, you go through the pain of the editing, which is what we did. And we never want to do that again. So if you can get final products, this is why we you know highly recommend working your way up to it, working your way into this level. But um, another thing that, you know, we kind of wanted to touch on is with, um, that being said of, you know, the editing process, our approach to the editing process is also in the sense that you want to finish the timeline. So, you know, we really see it like a chunk of marble. First thing to do is take the raw and chisel it away to a rough outline. Then we're basically going from start to finish because a lot of times people, if they try and make each scene perfect, they're going to get caught up. So, you know, for us, it's really more of a getting multiple passes over the same timeline, over the same product until we have that finished version. So I think that can help you out with a motivation. It can kind of get you, you know, a, a little milestone, but do you want to talk about how we kind of go through multiple passes of the timeline as our editing process? Yeah, I think, and I've worked with a lot of editors on our other movies and they were always like really hell bent on just making the thing perfect right off the bat. So they're like, all right, the first 10 minutes of the movie, I'm going to work on it and try and get every little thing, you know, completed to perfection um, to give it off to the director and that just takes so long and then it's super frustrating for them because they give me a movie that's an hour and they think it's absolutely perfect and I come back and I give them six or seven pages of notes and it's just not an efficient way to do these things um, you're going to get frustrated and you know just being able to go in and have reps every single day of working on this movie is like the most critical thing you should never have a day where you don't you know, work on your movie, you don't edit the movie because one day turns into two days, turns into three days, turns into a couple of weeks, turns into a month, turns into a year, and all of a sudden you don't have an uploaded movie. So I think you should always be working on, on the film. And I think that's the way to do it. It's just do it and get it, you know, completed and done on the timeline. Just go as far as you can. You're going to hit a scene um, and you're going to get stuck. Do it to the best that you can now and just move on. And that was with me and they did the murder house. You know, I did a couple of rough passes. I got to the scene where um, one of the characters locks themselves into a room. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't think the scene was very good. So I just skipped over it. I put a rough one together. So at least I knew like the length of the, the scene so I could gauge like the pacing of the movie. And I just skipped and moved on. Then I did the same pass again. 
and this time I just gave it a little bit more love. I added or gave it a little bit more love. I added some noise effects. I tried some different cuts, but I didn't spend a ton of time on it. And then I moved on. And probably it took about six or seven passes until the rest of the movie was pretty much completed. And then I could really go back and dive into that that um, scene. And the momentum and my mental health was just much at much better because I was like, all right, look, the whole movie's done. I only have this eight minute sequence left. So then I could really dive into it and give it the time it needs. But at the same time, I was, you know, getting feedback from a lot of people. I was trying different things with each pass that I was doing before. So when we finally got to that last pass, and I was like, all right, you know, this is where the rubber hits the road. I have to get this thing done. I thought the scene actually turned out really, really well. Um, and that was definitely the scene that I hated the most in the beginning of the movie. And it turned out to be one of the better scenes in the movie where if I would have just tried to make it perfect in the beginning, I think I would have got frustrated and it would just taken a lot longer to get this movie done. I completely agree. I mean, it really is something where you have to set these little milestones for yourself and these little goals. And I think the biggest downfall with the editing is it's a twofold one. If you have a rough production, if you, if you set yourself up poorly, this is where your movie goes to die. You know, if you set yourself up poorly with the writing process, it was too big of an idea. You didn't confirm this in the pre-production of how you're going to do it. You executed poorly in production. Well, now you're never going to have a movie and it just finds itself in the void. Um, and really the editing one, I think there's not too many pitfalls in itself. I think it's more so just dealing with the pitfalls that you've encountered on the way there. But the biggest thing you can do for the editing process is to do that. And then the other thing is compromise. I mean, I think another thing that you really have to look at and something that people underestimate what we did is we've done a lot of compromise and pickups on a lot of our movies. We don't recommend pickups as much as we could possibly can, but Hey, look at us. We're doing pickups. So do you want to just kind of quickly talk about how you need to compromise even on the editing side of things and even on, you know, what you're going to be able to do with the pickup just to make it work? Yeah, I think everything's compromise. Um, I mean, do this whole process is compromise. You have your vision and unless you're Christopher Nolan or David Fincher, you're going to have to compromise and you can look at it two ways. Like you look at it as a compromise and you get frustrated and say, ah, oh, this is taking away my vision this isn't what I wanted. We're diluting my product. It's not going to be as good. Or you can look at it as in, all right, this is a challenge. Um, I think that compromise is good. It allowed me to tell a better story and I just got to get more creative. And there's a ton of times where I see more budget, more crew, better equipment does not lead to a better movie. I have firsthand experience. Our higher budget movies with more equipment, better lenses, better cameras, higher paid actors, all this stuff turned out to be some of our worst movies. Where our simplest movies um, actually turn out to be our highest rated, most you know, revenue grossing movies. And I honestly think it's probably true. You can really get yourself in trouble with a higher budget. So I think with pickups as well, I think you have to understand you know, what you're trying to do and really only do pickups if it's absolutely necessary. I've talked about it before. I think there's two types of pickups. There's um, like random inserts and pickups that you can do for free that just give your movie like a little bit more um, production value. These are inserts of objects, um, you know, different quick cuts. We do a lot of montages as pickups that are not done in the location of the house. Um, we've done a lot of pickups where it's an actor's feet or it's an actor's like hands or they're holding a knife, um, you know, in like a smoked out building or something um, that just gives a little bit more production. And then I think there's uh, like pickups that just absolutely need to be done where something 
like catastrophic happen on set where you're just missing a scene or something doesn't cut together or doesn't flow properly. And those are the ones you absolutely have to pick up. And those are just, they're very, they should be avoided at all costs because to get all your actors out there, to get the location back, to get your entire crew back is extremely expensive. And it's just, it's a difficult thing to do. Um, But I think, you know, as you get better as a filmmaker, you'll get to the point where you don't necessarily need to do those pickups anymore. The last three movies we did, we didn't have any large pickups like that. Um, We were able to do them all on principal shooting. Now we did have in Girl in Camera 13, we knew we had to do the wood scene, but that was predicted. We knew we had to do that in the murder house. We knew we had Kel's stuff to pick up in the van, but we predicted that. And in the last movie, um, from what I see so far, it's not going to need any pickups at all. Maybe some smaller stuff, but for the most part, it's a completed movie. But once again, that stuff only comes from, you know, having, uh, you know, done 11 movies and having, you know, the mindset to number one, compromise and number two, understand what's actually possible and what my limitations are as a director. Yeah, I mean, it really is something that, uh you don't get the full idea of what you can do with a movie until you finish the editing process too so it's that double-edged sort of not only you not have a finished product but you don't even learn from it if you don't get it edited so we're always going to stress that as one of the most important one of the the critical matters of just filmmaking is getting over the line with the editing so the next thing i want to talk about is this is something that i think the biggest disconnect that we see and i think it comes from just our background in marketing and business is just the marketing of the film itself. Um, I think a lot of indie filmmakers think they've crossed the line, they have their movie, they hand it off, and then they get their money back. And realistically, what we've mentioned last episode in part one, that is not the case at all. It's just the beginning of your journey. But I think, you know, a lot of people are so broken down by that process that we mentioned that they're just licking their wounds, getting over the line. And they're not even close to ready to push the movie and do some of the things. So do you want to quickly talk about that? And then we'll discuss about how we set everything up with split testing, how the name changes, how the poster changes, how the blurb changes, all to hunt down our audience. Yeah, I mean, I think really with the filmmaking process and just really with any business in general is you need to set yourself up to succeed. And the way you do that is from the beginning of the process, which is writing the script, coming with the concept all the way to the end of the process, which is, um, you know, getting the movie up on different platforms and having a marketable movie, everything you do from the end to the beginning, you know, you have to keep the end in mind. And I think a lot of filmmakers just never get the opportunity to go from, you go through the process from start to finish. So they don't know these like little hacks and little skills that you can, you can do to just help yourself out. And this is why we say it's just much easier. Your number one goal should be get something done and uploaded um, just to go through this process because the second time is going to be much easier. Third time is going to be much easier. So the way we do it is everything is you know designed to be sold. This movie is designed to be well-paced. It's designed for the AVOD platform. So AVOD's advertising video on demand. It's essentially commercials. They try to get rid of commercials and now commercials are back. And it's going to be an exploding industry once again. If you're an indie filmmaker, 90% of your money is going to come from AVOD. So what does that mean? It means that you have to have a movie that people are going to click on. 
And when they do click on it, you got to watch it all the way through. If people are watching 10% of your movie, if they're not getting past the intro hook, you're not going to get paid and your movie is just not going to generate revenue. So what does that mean on a screenwriting process? It means that you have to write a movie that's well-paced. There has to be a lot of action in there. It's got to move fast. It's got to move quickly. It's got to get people interested and it's got to keep their attention. Each sequence, um, so all our movies are written with beats, which are pretty much eight-minute sequences. It's got to start with a hook. It's got to end with a hook. And it's got to go all the way through. People have to watch all the way through your movie. And you can write a movie like that. And you can direct a movie like that. And you could create a shot list that's engaging with a lot of montages and cool shots that keep, you know, the viewer interested in your movie. And you can edit to keep pacing in mind. So I think... You know, that's just an example of understanding what kind of movies sell, what people are one and how to maximize your revenue. And then taking that knowledge and starting with the screenplay and going all the way through the whole process with that in mind, knowing that you have to create a fast paced, fun movie in order to get your money back. And I think a lot of filmmakers never get to that point because they never finish a film and they just never understand like what makes money and what doesn't make money. Um, the distribution companies will. So they're looking for fast paced movies and you're going to set yourself up for better deals. You're going to set yourself up for just more revenue being generated by just keeping all this stuff in mind. Um, so I think, yeah, it's just, you have to go through the process in order to understand a lot of this stuff. Yeah, you really do. And, you know, to kind of highlight it again, our, the name of the movie completely changes based on what we're seeing when it comes to running the split test. The covers are split tested to where we're running ads, seeing which ones are getting more engagement. We are really focusing in on this. And if you aren't setting your movie up for success like this, then you're going to be in for a really rude awakening when it comes to it, especially if you're trying to make your money back, which again, it's up to you what your version of success is. So, you know, with that being said, um, the last thing I really want to kind of touch on is building a community and the value of it. And I would say this is something that really is night and day with this year. Um, but even before then we were still, you know, doing a lot more when it comes to the ads, we had um, an Instagram page, we were posting a few things, but now we're really starting to understand the value of a community and how you can get these things out there. I mean, we've completely shifted our mindset to that. We make our movies for our fans with our fans now. And the reason because it is a community is so valuable. Creating a group of people that will support you with whatever movie you do, having a guaranteed audience is by far the best thing you can do as a filmmaker. Because as we make more, we build a larger community, which allows us to make more. You know, to me now, it's only a, a time process. You know, once we have a large enough community, it is self-sufficient, self-sustaining. And I don't know, you've mentioned this before, if we could have really got to the size of the community we have now, if we didn't have Girl in Cabin 13 and kind of where we're at. But regardless, I think we could have built a community of a much smaller size and supportive as well, too. But do you want to just talk about how now as a filmmaker, your job is to create your community? No one's going to bring your community to you. You're just not really going to have that opportunity of hitting it big and then suddenly you have a fan base. Yeah, I mean, it's good practice for any kind of business, but I think in filmmaking, it is absolutely crucial just because the product that you have, if it's on AVOD platforms, I mean, just to give you an example, Amazon would pay you 15 cents for a, completely, for a completed watch through. And that was like back when it was like 15 cents is nice. You're like, well, that's low. That's actually higher than a lot of things pay. Um, and it, it went from 15 cents to 8 cents to 3 cents to 1 cent. 
And the problem with that is it's, you can't, if you're going to pay for traffic with Facebook ads and a whole bunch of other ads to get a click is going to cost you 15 cents. So that's not even like a conversion. That's not getting someone to watch your, your mill, your film and guarantee you that you're getting that 15 cents. Your margins are so, so low that it's very difficult to run paid ads and, you know, run ads and generate traffic to these listings and make an ROI. So what do you do? You have to build a community. You have to collect email addresses. You have to just be able to have a following that you can press a button, whether it's a post, whether it's email, um, and send them to a new watch link and just get a ton of traffic the first day. And that's reoccurring income. And I think that in moving into the AVOD platform, like we were, the only filmmakers that are going to succeed and really stick around this are the ones that are going to be able to build a community um, and, you know, be able to you know, leverage that community. And I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword because you actually have to produce really good content and you have to find people that really like your content. You can't force people to, you know, just join your community. Um, it's just not going to work. They're not going to, it's not going to be a good community. And I think, you know, what Kel said was, I don't think we would have had the opportunity, um, you know, before Girl and Cabin 13, because I don't think our quality was up to the point where it needed to be to really cultivate and generate, um, you know, the strong community like we have now. But that doesn't mean that we probably could have spent more time, you know, building email addresses. We could have spent more time really hitting the Instagram hard um, and just really kind of building uh, like a collection of data points so that when we did release a movie, we could actually get it out there and get that, um, you know, visibility. I think Girl in Cabin 13 changed that. I think what you're going to see with the murder house is going to be even you know more explosive. And I think the shapeshifter is kind of a really cool movie that's going to, um, really take off as well and it'll just show you how you know we're we cast people from our discord in the shapeshifter so i think once people see that oh look these guys actually are true to what they're saying they are casting people from the discord they're putting us in the movie um, i think that's just going to allow people to grow with the community at a much higher rate because if you're an actor if you're a filmmaker if you're a writer um, we even put music from some of the other uh, super fans in the group um, was actually in the last movie. So if you're in any one of the, the phases of the filmmaking um, journey, I would definitely tell you to, to look at the, the discord because we're actively pulling people and putting them in the movies. It's not me just telling you this. We're actively doing it. Um, and it's, it's just a cool thing. And the community is really great. Yeah, I will say, you know, it is something where we're most likely going to be a big outlier on it compared to what a lot of studios are going to do because we do see it and we do see the passion of the community. We got lucky, honestly, with the first few super fans that kind of joined us. Um, but with that being said, you know, I think you need to go out there, find a group because it, it helps you out. A lot of the things too, is it's nice to have people that are giving you positive feedback. You know, for the longest time, we've always had just kind of negative and one stars, but when you find your group, when you find your community, they're supportive of you. Not only do you get a benefit from them, you know, actively pushing the movie, you get the motivational support too. You know, it's nice being able to have people who say, I can't wait for your next movie. I can't wait for this. And I think nowadays, since it is so easy, to make movies you really do have to take it to this step of building your own community out there um you know 
the way that I basically did it is just going live on the social media platforms and just having a conversation. People who are interested with what we were doing would continue to come back to the, the lives that I was doing. And that's basically how the discord was started. And from there, it's now grown. We're closing in on 1,500 members and it's only been there for a little over three months. So I think that's just the power of finding your community. Those again are going to be the major things that we kind of recommend throughout this process. Again, have the right intentions going in. These are some of the things that are critical and use these movies to build the community, you know, that we said, but we're going to go ahead. We're going to actually start picking in more detailed topics to discuss when it comes to our podcast, as we are getting through the process of um, getting post-production and, you know, since we've been through all of the movies. So now we're really going to start getting a little bit more granular in these next few episodes, just highlighting the writing process, production process, and certain things that we know. So as always, make sure you take a look at us, take a look at that discord that we're talking about, because that is the community to be. We are looking to make movies for our fans with our fans. We'd love to see you in there until then have a good one.